The European Central Bank saw the pace of its interest rate hikes yesterday but left the door wide open for more rate hikes in the future. Meanwhile, US regional banks continue to struggle in the US. That fueled the rate cut expectations for the Federal Reserve. Now, on the bright side, Apple's strong iPhone sales in the first quarter helped the company beat revenue and profit expectations and while the US jobs data is on the menu of today, a soft read from the US jobs market has the potential to further fill the rate cut expectations for the Federal Reserve. So welcome, this is Swiss Coast Daily Market Talk. So there was nothing particularly unusual or unexpected at yesterday's European Central Bank decision and the chief Christian Lagarde's presser following that decision other than the fact that Christian Lagarde didn't wear a scarf. Now the European Central Bank slowed the pace of its interest rate hikes to 25 basis points this month, so that was broadly expected. The strong decline in bank lending in the Eurozone as a result of the bank stress around the world and signs of slow inflation and that despite last month's rally in energy prices and softer energy prices nowadays well justified the 25 basis point hike from the ECB announced yesterday and in her press conference well Kristen Regard just told that inflation remains still too high for too long so the key takeaway was again that inflation outlook in the Eurozone which remained too high for too long as I said Lagarde left the door wide open to more interest rate hikes in the coming months in the Eurozone she pledged to lift the policy rates to sufficiently restrictive levels and to keep them there as long as necessary now no one really knows what restrictive enough means for the European policy race, but the decisions in plural reinforce my expectation that there will likely be maybe two more interest rate hikes for the ECB on the wire eventually before pausing the tightening in the interest rates after this summer. So this is very important in my opinion because this means a clear hawkish divergence between the Federal Reserve, which is obviously weakened and handcuffed by the ongoing regional bank crisis that doesn't abate, and the European Central Bank, which isn't facing the same intensity of bank stress in the Eurozone and which could simply continue to focus on inflation to make its decisions and well the European Central Bank's view on inflation is pretty clear as I have been repeating the risk to inflation outlook remains tilted to the upside unfortunately even though even though we now say that the financial tensions the weaker demand caused by the tightening credit conditions as a result of the bank stress and an efficient transmission could actually help pull inflation lower in the eurozone until then keep raising and accelerating the balance sheet unwinding in the Eurozone because the ECB also announced that it will no longer reinvest in the APP from July this year. So I don't really understand actually why the euro dollar got sold off after the European Central Bank decision yesterday to be perfectly honest with you. I was 
As you know, clearly not expecting a 50 basis point hike from the European Central Bank yesterday. So it hinted to me that many people were actually expecting a 50 basis point hike. But the truth is, the divergence, this growing divergence between the European Central Bank and the Federal Reserve's policy outlooks now builds a stronger case for a significantly higher euro against the US dollar. So that's one thing that we should be aware of, meaning that the price pullbacks that we may see in the coming days or weeks continue being interesting opportunities to strengthen long positions in the single currency. And even more so as the stress around the US regional banks don't seem to be abating anytime soon, unfortunately, because now on the chopping block are PacWest and Western Alliance. PacWest couldn't actually avoid that 50% slump in its share price yesterday after the bank said that it considers strategic options the day before, remember? Western Alliance, on the other hand, uh, slumped as much as 60% at yesterday's trading session before closing the session 38% down. Also on news that is considering a sale of all or part of his business and has already hired advisors. Rough. First Horizon Bank, on the other hand, tumbled more than 33% yesterday as the Canadian TD just walked away from its acquisition plan and Goldman Sachs slid more than 2% as well on news that is under review regarding role in Silicon Valley banks' attempt to raise funds back in March. So all in all, U.S. banks slid close to 3% at yesterday's trading session. It's obviously a hot mess going on and stress is unlikely to abate so fast. And the FDIC now plans to hit big banks with fees to refill the deposit insurance fund in the U.S., leaving apparently smaller lenders exempt from the plan. We are really not out of the woods just yet. Happily, though, happily, Apple results gave a certain smile to investors after the bell yesterday because Apple's overall sales slid for the second quarter in a row. That's the first time since the pandemic, but iPhone sales were stronger than expected. And that actually helped Apple beat both the revenue and profit expectations in the first quarter of this year. And as you know, well, it's not about how well you did, but how well you did compared to expectations that really matters for the stock prices. So Apple's share price gained two and a half percent in the after hours trading. Yesterday, the announcement of a 90 billion US dollar worth of a share buyback program from Apple, uh, which is unchanged from last year also helped lifting sentiment. Now, 2.5% is nothing compared to 15 or 20% price action that we are used to see in after hours trading, especially for uh, the big technology companies. But Apple earnings mark actually the end of what has been quite a satisfactory quarter for big technology investors. So the fact that Apple and Microsoft together made around half of the gains in the S&P 500 since the start of this year wasn't for nothing. And thanks to their sizable balance sheets and well the falling yields lately as well due to the bank crisis while technology companies remain a refuge for equity investors so that certainly also explains why the S&P 500 has been so freaking resilient to the bank turmoil since March but what's risky however is that obviously if winds change direction for the big technology stocks well we could rapidly see these gains in the S&P 500 crumble and crumble fast. Now, we are not there just yet, so 
we will keep watching what happens, you know? And I know that has been a long week, but we have one more thing to watch before the weekly closing bell this week, and that's the US jobs data. The data released yesterday revealed that the US unemployment benefit applications actually jumped last week and it jumped by the most in six weeks as a sign that the US labor market could be loosening just a little bit. Now, earlier this week, we also had that Joel's data, which uh, actually showed that that job openings data in the US also came in softer than expected. Yet the ADP report that was released on Wednesday came in the double the market expectations. Remember, at around 300,000 new private jobs added in the month of April. And today, the NFP data is expected to reveal that the US economy may have added around 180,000 new non-farm jobs last month for a steady wage growth of around 4.2% on annual basis and maybe a slight uptick in the unemployment rate from 3.5% to 3.6%. Now we are still at multi-decade low levels here. Now a soft NFP read from the US today and ideally softening wages growth could further fuel the Federal Reserve dose and boost the rate cut expectations from the Fed to Today, the market is not only expecting three rate cuts in the US in the second half of this year, but priced in the first potential rate cut for July. So do you think it's a stretch? Well, it all depends on how messy the bank situation gets in the US. Now, the US two-year yield slumped to 3.65% at yesterday's trading session, although we see that the short end of the US yield curve is pushing higher these days, and that's on debt ceiling impasse in the US. The US dollar index, on the other hand, remains under a decent, decent selling pressure on the back of this US regional bank crisis that do fuel the Federal Reserve rate cuts expectations and also the debt ceiling impasse. So those both factors are waiting on the US dollar these days. Gold, on the other hand, rebounded lower from the $2080 peak seen the day before, and Bitcoin remained well bit on softening Fed expectations. Moreover, Bitcoin's volatility relative to gold has been easing since the beginning of last year. So that's quite interesting because that could actually help divert a part of the bank stress-led outflows into Bitcoin. So this is all for this week. I'm Ipikos Kardishkri and thank you for joining me and thank you for all your beautiful and supportive messages. I hope this episode of Market Talk has also been helpful and insightful to you. So please do not hesitate to leave your comments, your reactions, and your questions below as usual. And follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn for regular market updates. And subscribe, of course, to our YouTube channel for daily market comments. I will meet you again next week. And until then, good day trading and have a lovely weekend.